0: He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. Hey, this is Jeff Hazlett with All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. And you know, every once in a while, I like to get away from the celebrities. I like to get away from some of the guys that are actually running companies and insiders. I want to talk to insiders. And I'm talking to somebody today who has been a political insider, but a business insider. I mean, he's in the all knowing, all seeing U.S. Chamber of Commerce Association Committee of 100, which is the board of directors for one of the biggest associations that are running business. He has been working in politics from everything working with ambassadors to United States Senator, Senator Alphonse D'Amato, and is now leading what I considered one of the most premier business organizations in the world, and I think they're helping to help people reinvent the American dream. And I'm talking about the International Franchising Association, and with me is Mr. Steve Caldera. So, Steve, welcome. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be with you. Well, it's good to be here, and you work for Senator Alphonse D'Amato. I got to tell you a quick story. You know, I used to work for Senator Daschle back when he was in the House. He was a congressman. And when he went to the Senate, you know, they used to get to pick of their offices by the way of which your seniority was, right? And you could literally, every time an election came around, switch your office based on square footage. And I'm in this big, huge meeting with Tom Daschle, now United States senator, not quite the majority leader, about to become the majority leader. But before that, in the middle of the meeting, Alphonse D'Amato just burst in and starts looking around Tom's office, the senator, like he owned the place. but and, and I said, after he left, I said, Tom, what, what the heck was that? And he said, I think he wants my office. And then I found out about that pro- process and practice. Yeah. Is well, that the way you do it at the IFA? You do it that way?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, that was uh that was a great experience to work for the Senator. You know, he was a three-term Senator from the state of New York. Republican came in on the uh, Reagan landslide in 1980, uh, had a, great reputation for working hard for the state. You know, you have to remember back in that time, you had Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan. Moynihan and, yeah. Who was, you know, obviously a, a very key, had a very keen intellect, you know, worked on. Smart uh, guy. Smart guy, foreign policy, yeah. diplomat, you know. Uh, and he took the big picture I- issues and, and, and the senator, Senator D'Amato, uh, actually earned a nickname, Senator Pothole, because he worked hard to bring home the bacon for the state of New
0: York. Oh, yeah. Oh, whether yeah. it was,
1: uh, you know, uh, get, getting money for the... Uh, uh broom county airport in binghamton or building that new bridge in syracuse you sound
0: like you, you're a guy that was involved in some of those projects that you know having been a former congressional staffer too i know what that's like
1: yeah i mean i you know i had great fortune being his political director in the 86 election cycle uh, you know we it was the largest plur, uh, plurality win for a republican uh senator in the history of the state of new york did you work in the campaign did you work i did campaign? i did and i got to travel uh, the state with the senator uh uh, virtually uh, every weekend uh, when he wasn't in Washington trying to do the business of a U.S. senator. But it was a great experience for uh, a young man in his uh, uh, mid-twenties. And, um, you know, to this day, we stay in touch and, uh, you know, he's very politically active and he did a great job for the state of New York. And, and you never, uh, to, you this, never to this day, he, he, uh, he still uh, has a lasting impression on me uh, in terms of uh, work ethic, uh, you know, how to work across Uh, bipartisan uh, uh, aisle and um, just get things done. He was a dealmaker. He always seemed like a
0: a rough and tumble kind of guy. You know, he just seemed like he rolled up, he gave it to you and and took it as well, which is kind of cool. Yeah,
1: he could give it as much as he could take it. But at the end of the day, it was all about doing what was best for the state of New York. Um, And uh, he was a fighter. He was a grinder. Uh, What you saw uh, was what you got. Uh, He was straight up. He was transparent. Uh, He had a lot of passion. He was Italian. You know? Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> on top of it. That's... So let me talk to you about the IFA, because this is truly a business organization. I've been a franchisee in my past life as well, and I know uh, as we were talking, as we were getting here, a lot of franchisors are real good friends. of Mine's and franchisees, for that matter, could I speak to a lot of them. Is this, is, I mean, how much is politics involved with IFA? I mean, you've got some issues that are coming up right now that sure. seem to really make a big impact on what's going on Sure, for I a mean, well, first
1: and foremost, like any trade association, Jeff, um, it's all about advocacy. It's about protecting the industry. So our mission is to protect, promote, and enhance this great industry that is responsible for nearly 9 million direct jobs. Um, we have over 800,000 establishments across 300 business lines is that, uh, in, in the United, United States. States. just in the United States? Just in the United States, because you know, I mean,
0: a lot of the franchises, like you came from Dunkin', you were sure. at Dunkin', and they've got 17,000, and they've That's got right. quite a few of them outside the States.
1: That's right. Well, look, increasingly for a lot of the bigger brands, the growth, as markets get saturated here in the U.S., is international. You look at Dunkin' Brands, which is Dunkin' Donuts and Baskin-Robbins. You look at uh, Yum!, which is PSC oh, yeah, and yeah, Taco Bell. Exactly. You look at McDonald's. I mean, those are the big, iconic American brands who really, uh, you know, up to almost half their growth.
0: Well, the past I, decades I, I, come from international. I joke about McDonald's being the American embassy all over the world, you know, because it's the one thing you recognize, sure. and, and most Americans always go. I don't care where you're at, you're whether in, you know, Oslo, you go to McDonald's to see what That's it right. tastes like, you know, or, or it's a little different. But is it is it is it the? I mean, it's got to be the premier business organization for businesses. Sure, we it?
1: represent you know nearly 1,400 franchisors. Mm-hmm. So we just mentioned uh, Dunkin' Brands or McDonald's. Or oh, Sir know, Speedy, Pip, Sir, I mean, Speedy, look at logic. the Jippy Lube around the corner. Lube, yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, we're virtually on every main street in America. Uh, we represent over 13,000 individual franchisees. We have over 700 supplier partners. So again, you know, our job is to protect, promote, and enhance this great industry. Um, you know, uh, against negative uh, legislative or regulatory issues at the federal, state, or municipal levels that could have a negative uh, impact. Are they all negative? The are, they, are all the issues negative? <clears throat> uh, these days, uh, these days, increasingly, <laughs> Jeff, uh, there are uh, uh, more negative issues than positive issues. Yeah. Uh, you know. Look, I mean, uh, everybody felt the pain of the recession that we went into and in the, you know, the uneven, slow, fragile. Oh, it was a tough time. Fra- fragile, tepid uh, uh, economy we went through. Uh, you know, at the time I was working at, at at Duncan Brands outside of Boston. And, you know, for us, it was all about slowing growth and making sure uh, that we could uh, maintain franchisee profitability, taking cost of goods out of stores, working with your supply partners, Um, you know, improving and enhancing operations to keep those loyal customers coming back. Well, you Um, know,
0: I was going to ask you, because a lot of people don't think the franchisors care as much about the franchisees, like they're big businessmen. I I don't see that at all. I mean, I typically always find they want them to make more money because they in turn make more money as well. Look, at the end of the day,
1: if the franchisee isn't successful for the long term, the franchisor is not going to be successful Uh for the long term. And while they're separate entities, um, they need to... uh, uh, Work together um, to the best of their ability to enhance their collective success. Um, so you know that's the way we did it at Duncan. That's the way they're doing it at Duncan today. Nigel Travis is doing a great job uh, as their CEO. But um, you know this is an industry, Jeff, that continues to outpace growth of the overall U.S. economy uh, for the last five years. So if you look at our forecast for 2015, for for instance. We're going to add 247,000 new jobs, and that's on 2.9% growth, over 12,000 new establishments on 1.6% growth, and $45 billion in new sales on 5.4% growth. And, Jeff, franchising now represents 3% of overall U.S. GDP. So increasingly – That's this bigger industry, than Walmart. Yeah, you know, and look, <laughs> and, and look, this is all about the American dream, yeah. right? We've got over 70,000 uh, veteran-owned franchises now. Uh, it's a great industry for women and minorities. We like to say it's a way to be in business for yourself but not by yourself. Um, but again, these are folks that um, use their life savings, investment savings, take out a loan, in some cases, do all three to get a shot. Well, um, and a family, owned, like, and a lot of
0: them are really family owned businesses. I mean, they're mom, what I call mom and pop operations, although there's a lot of them that own many 20, 30, 40. I've met a lot of these guys. And that's because, you know,
1: they've worked hard and, once you've figured out how to run that first store and build that second store and third store and really start to scale, you get a really good sense for how it works, that's when you can really create wealth for yourself, job opportunities for yourself. And, and also a lot of these franchisees, um, you know, like to give back to folks that work for them. And so we have a lot of franchisees that are involved with the IFA that groom and create opportunities for their front-level workers, their managers, their assistant managers, managers, um, and try to give them a a piece of the pie and ultimately uh, try to put them in a position to have their own franchise.
0: Yeah, or a legacy business where they can sell it to them in terms of turning it over. Absolutely. if you don't have a kid to turn it over to or sell it to because you – want to be able to, you know, go live that dream and move to Boca or wherever it might be, or hopefully South Dakota, That's right. you know, you can do those kind of things. So let's get back to the legislative thing. Cause sure. I, I do, cause there's been some issues that have popped up for you guys. I think that are challenging for a lot of, not just franchises themselves, but all small business. And you guys tackle a lot of those issues. So what's the, what's the, let me give you a kind of a shameless plug. What's the biggest one right now that's out there that really is like, man, this is a hammer over our head.
1: Well, the biggest one right now, you know, you've got an activist National Labor Relations Board that uh, really is serving as a pro-union government entity. Uh, Right now, July of 2014, uh, they came out uh, and claimed that McDonald's was a joint employer (laughs) with its franchisees. And again, you know. I mean, um,
0: do these guys have any concept of what business is when you see stuff? I saw that. And I was sitting actually on the set of Bloomberg when that came out and I had to respond to it. And I just go like, these guys are idiots. Yeah, well. I I mean, you can't
1: say that, but I can say that. Right. Well, look, at the end of the day, um, you know, franchisees have the ability. They're independent operators. Right. Uh, they put their own skin in the game, as I said earlier. They have the ability to hire, fire, set wages. They process their own payroll. They're given an employer identification number by the Internal
0: Revenue Service, um, and, and, and and they're responsible if they don't pay the taxes. They're responsible for they have to paying file the their own taxes. Yeah.
1: Most of these are, you know, S corps and pass-through yep. entities, Jeff. Uh, and uh, these are the folks that create are part of the group of entrepreneurs that are creating two-thirds of all new net jobs in America. Two-thirds? thirds of all new, according to the Department of Labor. And now you have a National Labor Relations Board um, that is carrying the water for the Service Employees International Union, the organized labor. It's much easier, Jeff, to... Uh, to uh organize as uh if you're a union yeah. in one big cluster right. uh as opposed to one off mom and pop stores. Is that, is that stores, what they're really trying and to and and also to to uh, collectively bargain, right? Yeah. So point in fact is if you look at the mid 1950s private sector union membership was around 35%. Mm-hmm. If you look in 2015, nice. 2015 uh it's at 6.9%. Um so clearly uh it's a, it's, a, it's a strategic play on their part uh, to try to uh, fill their steadily dwindling membership coffers and ranks. Um, and just case in point, Seattle, Washington, last year, Jeff, uh, they, the city council passed 9 to 0, and the mayor, Ed Murray, subsequently signed the minimum wage to get to $15 right. um, an hour. And here's how it works up in Seattle, and I'll tell you why we're filing a lawsuit there. If you're a small business with under 500 employees uh, and you're a non-franchise business, you get seven years to phase in that $15. If you're a small business and you're a franchise business because you're affiliated with the national chain, they lump you with Boeings and Starbucks, two great companies, right? But uh, they have over 500 employees. What, what and you, you get three years just, to phase in. Yeah, so but that's Because you're ridiculous. affiliated with it. So we, we, are, we filed a lawsuit. Yeah. Uh, uh, we feel that what they're doing is unfair. It's just blatantly discriminatory. It violates the Commerce Interstate Commerce Clause, the Equal Protection Clause, yeah, it violates the Washington just basic, General, the Washington State of business, Bill of Rights. It's unconstitutional.
0: Yeah, I and mean, because so I mean, a lot of we'll the franchisees
1: will be there next month, March tenth. We're going <laughs> to hear you seem wound
0: arguments. up on this issue, which is good. I like to hear this. We got you riled up, which is good. Good, to, good to see you fighting like this, and and I'm on your side, and you're you're ready. Well, to look, take we've money. got 600
1: franchisees up there. Yeah. right. They create 19,000 jobs. They've got 1,700 locations, um, and so. If we didn't file the lawsuit, Jeff, in Seattle, and push back and fight and counterpunch, um, then you would have seen a lot of other cities across the country do the same. In fact, in Chicago, the aldermen, the city council, when they were putting in their request for a higher minimum wage, actually had the discriminatory aspect in there for franchise companies. And we activated our local franchisees in Chicago um, uh, about why this was not a good thing and the detrimental impact it could have. They had already known that we had filed a lawsuit in Seattle and we told them we'd file one in Chicago yeah. uh, for all the reasons I just stated. So, um, so is you that know, part we, of a national we, we movement? Had to, that, we had to throw a marker down. But
0: well, that's got to be part of a national movement that's that's moving across. Look,
1: that. I think all this fight for 15 is really air cover uh, uh, in in, uh, in the name of trying to unionize
0: quick service restaurants. Again, I think it goes that, back to the I, But system. I think that's one thing, Steve. Let yeah. me also say, I mean... But at the same time, and I've been an employer of these businesses. What do I think is a fair wage, and what do I want to pay someone? And I think right. there's there's got to be some middle ground there as well. I right. think there's going to have to be some of that. I, yeah. I do not believe in the legislative part of it where they lump me together. Because look, if I had another franchise in the same city. They're my competitor, but they're also a little bit my like my partner because we have the same name. But that doesn't mean we get along. Right. And to to treat me in the same manner, I think that's a bad. Yeah, you bad know this policy. is
1: look. I can't. I'm not going to sit here and and tell you that I think a 61 percent increase in the minimum wage for our franchisees in Seattle is a good thing. No. Uh, when they're working through health care implementation, there's you know they you know access to capital was an issue for a while. It's better. It's not great. Um, and they're already working on thin margins. Look at the cost of beef today if you're a quick-service restaurant yep. business. Uh, commodity costs, you know, up until recently, very high and fluctuating energy costs. Uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about, for us, throwing a marker down, creating a, a level playing field for our franchisees in Seattle. Um, and so we'll be, uh, uh, you know, uh, hearing oral arguments uh Filing our oral arguments on March 10th but you in Seattle.
0: Know, at the same time, I, I don't think I've ever seen, you know, I, I get the 60-some percent increase. Yeah. But I've never seen a franchisee or a small business, for that matter, want not to pay a fair wage to right. an employee. And I, I think that's a key point. Let me ask you a question. Which of the franchise businesses that uh, that you have out there today, which ones were probably the most affected by the downturn? And that that comes from a question, actually, my son wanted me to ask that question. Right. He thought that was a good one. Well, look, I think,
1: you know, uh, when the economy, we went into the recession, right? You know, it takes away discretionary dollars. So, you know, it may be that one or two meals out of the home that you don't have. You may have delayed your uh, vacation, so you're not staying in the hotels. Uh, Clearly, uh, businesses got hit by the recession. So... There might be more conference calls, Jeff, and less, you know, regional meetings or an annual conference. Clearly, I can tell you we did that at Duncan Brands. We scaled back uh, because it was extra cost. We tried to figure out ways to still communicate effectively. Well, everybody did, even big Uh, businesses. I was in a
0: Fortune 100 company. We were doing the same thing. I mean, cut lunches, cut everything.
1: Restaurants, hotels, retail businesses. Look, there wasn't one segment of our industry or this economy that didn't feel it, right? So – you know, but it, it's, you know, especially discretionary dollars are going to hit restaurants. They're yeah. going to hit hotels, hotels hospitality, travel. business, travel, and tourism.
0: Right. What about which one's you're most bullish on in 2015? That's another follow-up question from Tyler. Well, it?
1: that's great. Well, look, here's what I'd say. Quick service restaurants are coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: casual, fast casual?
1: Fast casual's uh, coming back. And even uh, some of the casual dining is slowly coming back. They took a really big hit, as, as did fine dining. Uh, But you look at health care, you get 10,000 baby boomers sitting 65 every day. So in-home health care, companion care, uh, assisted living. uh, It's interesting.
0: You know, I'm here at your conventions, IFA, the International Franchising Association. I'm talking with Steve Caldera, the head of that organization. And and I met a a number of new ones that are here. And I've met one that's a health care just for men, for um, that's setting up in franchising and they're just going to go after men, which I thought was kind of an interesting niche. I yeah, I've seen that in the past.
1: So. Yeah, you've got, you've got the, uh, quite a diverse group of uh, industry segments uh, here. Uh, and that's one great thing about franchising. You know, there are entry points uh, for and, and different industries for everybody to consider. Mm-hmm. You know it could be from $5,000. $5, all the, way, all the way up to several million dollars, and, and you know, uh, depending if there's real estate involved or not. Uh, but that's what we like to say. There's something here in franchising for everybody. Um, you know, as we came out of this uh, recession, people lost their job, get reorged out of a job, or are returning back for the service and wanted to take control of their own destiny. Uh, that's when franchising really started to take off. Um, we're very proud of the fact that we've brought in over 200,000 veterans into franchising as employees. That's been a
0: big portion Fit- of what. In fact, that's where I met you was uh, by satellite link on that's MSNBC. Right. You, that's
1: exactly right. You uh, and I did a, a spot on MSNBC, and I think I was uh, it was on vets. I, it was, it on, was vets. on veterans. Postnet. Postnet. Bo- Post that's right. I was in Boston. That's right. And uh, 5,600 veterans, now and military spouses and wounded warriors, have become small business franchise owners. Um, so we were part of the First Lady's Joining Forces Initiative. Those, we, and
0: they've been very they, – the vets have been very successful in that. Why, why is it? Is that because they – I, I want to say, is that because they take orders? They know what it's like <laughs> to run it? And but I mean, if you follow what a franchisor sets out, by and large, you're going to be successful. It's when you s- screw around and try to do this or right. go around that. It's usually when you break the formula, right. it's not a good, not well, a good I, thing. Well, you
1: know, I may have talked about this on the show, I, I, uh, uh, on TV that day. But look – when you're in the military, uh, it's all about operational excellence, right? It's yep. about being part of a team. It's about leadership, uh, following structure. Uh, and uh, and you know this as well as anyone knowing our industry. You know, if you want to be a successful franchisee, you, get, you become part of a brand. And if you follow that proven, structured, very scalable, in many cases, template uh, that is in place uh, with the franchisor, you're uh, working with, then more often than not, through hard work, you're gonna be successful. So it's those same basic tenets that make you successful in the military that transcend over to the franchise industry. Again, it's all about operational excellence, working as part of a team, uh, leadership. um, And so those basic tenets cross over very well, and that's why veterans are thriving today in franchising. And by the way, Jeff, you know we've got a million brave young men and women coming back over the next three to five years um so it's we're gonna have to figure out how can we support these veterans not just the franchise industry but the overall u.s economy right uh but clearly franchising has been a segment of the um, u.s business economy that they have thrived in and we're going to continue to work closely with the first lady and dr jill biden their joining forces initiative the u.s chamber of commerce and their hiring our heroes program and uh, again that's what's great about franchising um you know, people from all walks of life, um, you know, all ethnic backgrounds um, from virtually every country around the world uh, can be involved in franchising and thrive in franchising. But well,
0: what's the percentage of women and, and minorities that are now uh, taking up the leadership? Of yeah, franchise? It's probably
1: close to, you know, uh, combined, you know, almost 40 percent uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. Is it that high? I, I mean, mean that's 30%. that's
0: extremely high. I wouldn't yeah. have thought of that. Twenty
1: percent of franchises are minority owned, Jeff.
0: Well, that, so, that I so, could that I could buy. Although so, I, I still would thought that would have been a little bit yeah, of a yeah. I'd say thirty
1: five to forty percent is in that neighborhood now. It's in a, as we continue to grow, that number is going to continue. And should,
0: to, we're talking about the United States. Obviously, it's different yeah. and different. But as parts but, of the but com- as our industry
1: continues to jo- uh, grow, Jeff, those numbers are going to continue to escalate. Yeah. and that's a good thing. Which is which is and what actually, it should be. It should be yeah. reflective
0: of what the community is and reflective of what the population base. is. And
1: what you've seen since the recession is there's a lot of uh, husband and wife. Uh, husband and wife combinations that have gone into business together and been successful together well, you
0: almost have to though yeah. I mean to really make it work these days it's, yeah. it's not easy to do you know that no it's not, it's, it's not uh, the, the odds are against you starting a business to begin with and the only thing I think it makes makes it helpful is to be a franchisee or franchise you know helping a franchise where in fact Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you behind the scenes of what's happening in the business world, Jeffrey Hazlett hosts All Business, brought to you by Fortunet. Paul, I always go out to fans, and I ask fans questions, and, and I said, so I tweeted out today that we were going to interview you, and and a good business guy down in St. Louis named Paul Edwards he said, "What does franchise do that you can't do for yourself?" Now, this is a guy that's been. He, I, I've known Paul for many years, so he's 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 made it work on his own, you know. So, I mean, what do you think that franchise franchisees get that they don't get, you know, if they were off on their own? Well, you know, look, they they
1: get to license a trademark of a respected and well-known brand. Um, they they get marketing support. Uh, you know, they pay an initial franchise fee. They pay ongoing royalty fees. But as part of that, they become uh, part of a brand, and they get marketing support. They could get, uh, you know, uh, HR and training module support. Um, so they become part of a network. Um, these costs you would have to endure on your own, but it's it's probably a little bit easier uh, to invest those dollars um, in, into a franchise than to starting something from scratch. Uh, but it doesn't discount the fact that you're still independently owned. You still have to work just as hard yeah, as you if still you're have starting on it. your you, you own. You still have to clean the bathrooms. Um, you still
0: have to not, empty no, the garbage. You still have to do all those things on your own. N-
1: nothing, nothing changes uh, in terms of the uh, work ethic. Um, but it does give you the opportunity to work with a proven, respected uh, uh, franchise brand. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's attractive about the industry and why it continues to grow and outpace the overall U.S. economy.
0: Well, you and you, pay, you do pay a fee for it because a typical model is as you mentioned someone does pay a fee they pay down 25 50 whatever the cost of the franchise right. is and then and then they pay a royalty usually of a couple of percentages on up yep. and then usually a four or five on the advertising just so the listeners yep, that are listening, it. you got it no and that but that money is usually segmented right uh, mm-hmm. don't they usually segment the advertising money into a fund that's right and then it's co-developed and usually as i recall with most franchises the way they work is they allow the the franchisees to help determine where they're going to spend that money. They're, you're absolutely right. And so,
1: you know, in most of these franchise companies, uh, the franchisor will have a brand advisory council that will work on the advertising. They'll have a franchise advisory council that will work with uh, the, Policies, leader, the leadership of the company, you know, in terms of the overall uh, communication, uh, you know, have an opportunity to provide input on strategy, um, and, again, you know, it's part of that partnership that makes a unique relationship. Um, but in terms of the advertising, you know, um, it's the regional uh, advisory councils that decide what pocket uh, of money they want to use to maybe hire, you know, uh, a sports figure in Boston, maybe different than the sports figure in New York City. Well, you hope so. Or Philadelphia. They're going to be a Yankee. We right. know that. So, you know? You, know, they, uh, you know, they have the latitude to hire regionally. That may make the most sense to bring the most uh, visibility uh, to their brand in that local or market. Or do things
0: a little different. I mean, I I, I got to tell you, when I was a CMO at Kodak, there was a, a franchise for five guys. Right. And they have a red sauce up there that's not the same as the red sauce that's used everywhere else. And so when you want it red, it's a different sauce. So these people were getting their hamburgers, and they didn't like it because it wasn't the right kind of red sauce, that's which right. is known. So there's a way to go outside the, 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 the guidelines. And I remember I had to call – for the franchisee to the headquarters of Five Guys and explain to them and help them out. And as a result, I got some free certificates for some burgers and a T-shirt. I well, you're exactly
1: right, going. Jeff. And then look, and you think about when companies go international, you know, they're not uh, – I can tell you when we were at Dunkin' and, you know, had over 600 stores oh, yeah. there. And,
0: and who well, they knows? got a pork donut.
1: And who knows what the number is. But, you know, you may have uh, soy-based yeah. or rice-based type of products where you that wouldn't necessarily fly in the United States per se – but you're adapting your concept to the local taste of
0: the market right in japan like pizza they they serve corn on pizzas sure over there what the heck is that i've never seen that you serve whatever works right (laughs) exactly right make let me ask you a question you've been on the government side for most of your career public affairs that but you've been representing the businesses, which is awesome because we need you know, pit bulls on leashes like yourself and others in the, in the stuff that you do. And you seem like a nice pit bull, by the way, Steve.
1: But, but I'd like to say passionate and focused. There, okay, yeah. all right, got
0: it. I'm a little bit more direct. So yeah. what, 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 uh, what have you learned about how you run things from franchises? Look, I think it starts with
1: being a good listener, right? I think you have to listen. If you're a franchisor, you should listen to your franchisee, right? If you're a franchisee, you should be listening to the consumer, right? Mm-hmm. You know that comes in each and every day. Um, for me, I have 39 members of the board. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. I've got a staff. That's a big
0: board. It's man. a big
1: board. You know that's that's uh, and it's that's a combination, crazy, It's a crazy. combination of big companies, small yeah. franchise owners. Um, so you get unique perspectives on business, uh, local, regional, national uh, in scope, and international in many cases with some of the big companies that we have. You know, we have a staff of nearly 50 people. I've got seven direct reports. You want to seek their input um, and weigh all that as you make decisions on behalf of companies, large and small, that may have different cultures and corporate philosophies and strategic visions for where they want to go and how they want to get there, and try to bring them together for the good of the whole. Uh, And so that's what our job is in Washington. Again, it's, it's to protect the industry from bad things from happening. Um, it's to try to enhance and promote the image of the industry so we can continue to grow it, keep it vibrant. Uh, and that's what we do each and every day. Okay, but
0: besides besides that piece of it, what, what is it, what advice, what business advice, based on what you've learned now? And you, you sit in all these seminars. Sure. you Listen to all these great speakers here, and you get to meet some really insightful people. I mean, I remember coming to an IFA meeting years ago. Sit across the table from Dave from wendy 's sure and and I asked him i, said, I remember I had turned it it was a question i 'm sure he's asked many times, and that's why are your burgers square, and you know what he said we don't we don't cut corners that's right, you know, and I thought well, that's pretty smart, you know it was a marketing statement, but it also said you know this is his philosophy about the way he does right. it. so what would you give a, a a young franchisee someone's just laid their life savings down, yeah. you know, what would you tell them? I tell them to reach out to as many of his uh Uh, his or her
1: fellow franchisees uh, as they can to seek guidance and counsel. You know, become a member of the IFA, network, learn best practices from the people that have done this the most. If you look around this convention, you know, we've got 4,000, nearly 4,000 people here, Jeff, an all-time record, and you see Fred DeLuca, yeah, Fred. The founder of Subway, Subway. sitting Fred, at by a, the way,
0: Fred was at that same table with me. There you go. I mean, that's the kind of convention that's here. That that's you sit you sit with these guys. And by the way, that was this is like twenty years ago. I mean we're talking yeah, You know a while what they're ago. saying
1: now? Uh, you know what Fred DeLuca is saying now? What? I'm sitting at Jeff Hazel's yeah, table. Yeah, well,
0: it's nice of him to say. I hope he's saying that. But, well, but, but he, it's, he but, should because I eat enough of his supper. But
1: what I would say is reach out to as many people in the industry as you can. Fellow yeah. franchisees, talk to people that maybe work for uh, the franchise or Do your due diligence. Do your research. You're never going to have all the answers when you start out. You're gonna. It's like any other any other thing. Continue to grow, develop. Do due diligence. Do your research. You know, build a network that you can trust and reach out to um and you know that's going to enhance your opportunity to be successful is is
0: is all the franchise ideas they all taken they all gone is it all done look when you continue to grow and you talk about
1: you know uh different concepts and new concepts and look uh, we we've got a uh, Nick Friedman a young entrepreneur he might be 32 years old he started a company called the College Hunks Hauling Junk oh yeah this young man's got like 35 or 40 franchisees now. Yeah, not to mention um, he's,
0: a, he's a hunk. So yeah, there you go. Well, I guess. I don't know. I haven't seen him. But yeah, I, he's, a, he's
1: a fine young man. Yeah. But, I mean, what, <laughs> what what's unique is about this industry is that you can have an idea and you can get out there and try it and road test it. And if it works, um, you can scale it. And, you again, it's all about creating uh, small business ownership opportunities for yourself, creating wealth for yourself, and equally important, creating – job opportunities for people and ultimately uh, ultimately uh, hopefully small business uh, ownership opportunities for the people that work for you it's sure. an incredible industry
0: yeah it, it, it really I mean it's inspiring quite frankly I mean I always love to come to the IFA because it is inspiring I ever the people I meet you and I run into folks that I've known for many many years that have been in the business for their decades you know and then there were some some aspiring leaders Uh like the founder of Pip Printing and uh, Bill Levine and Bonnie sure. Levine, who, you know, helped start the IFA. Right. And, and then um, and Bill the print- Rosenberg, Dunkin' oh, Donuts. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, started, he
1: started the IFA in 1960.
0: Is that right? He and all
1: other uh, enlightened, forward-thinking um, franchise owners uh, got together and said, you know, we really need to, to form an association for our industry so we can uh, stop bad things from happening. Um, and we can share best practices and bring the industry together. And here we are 55 years later in 2015, and this industry represents 3% of all is that, U.S. GDP.
0: Is that same spirit still alive today? Oh,
1: I think it's not only alive, it's thriving. I've never seen okay. this industry come together uh, as it is today. Uh, and it's not just the legislative and regulatory issues. It's, I've never seen an industry that is so willing to, uh, uh, to offer, to support one another, to share best practices. You know, I tried this and it didn't work. It, you know, you don't see that in every industry, right? right. And, and I think that's what's unique about franchising. It's so entrepreneurial. And to your point, Jeff, it's one of the great industries where you can achieve the American dream. That's a free, it's, you this is look about at, the free enterprise system look right at uh, actually This is free enterprise, yeah. free markets at work like no other industry. You look at Aslam Khan. From Pakistan, came here 21 years ago, now owns over 300 churches' chickens. 300 churches' chickens. He's put 15 of his former employees, he's made them franchisees by giving them opportunities to learn the business, move up the ranks. And he said today, when he accepted our Entrepreneur of the Year award, Tell me, uh, come back to me in 10 years, and I hope to have 150 people that started for me on the front line. Uh, or back of the house, yeah. and I've put That's help to cool. put them in business well, because I want to do yeah. what people helped me to do when he came here 21 years ago. He started as a dishwasher.
0: No, you you see that you see that you hear that, and then then you watch what a smart guy that is. Because I know he just hired a CMO that used to be at Sears. Yeah, and you, so he's bringing in the big guns, so yeah. to speak, to really help out. Let me. I, there's a couple of quick things because we're wrapping up on the time, but sure. I always like to ask you a couple of just. Oddball, out of the thing. I kind of call it my rapid fire. Yeah. So I'm just going to throw it to you and just give me what you think, all right? Now, yeah. you used to be in the food business, Yeah. right? You I used to represent a lot of the, the restaurant industry, right? That's right. I work okay. at the National Restaurant Association. What is your favorite hot dish?
1: Chicken Parmesan. Is that right? Are you, are you, are you Italian? I am part Italian. Okay. So My mother's a- maiden name is Pannoni. Okay. Next question. Okay. All right. Republicans or Democrats? Democrats. Um, I think this country needs to move it, uh, 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 work together in a more
0: bipartisan manner. Oh, I love this. Uh, the way to ride the fence on that one, I expected it from you, and I, the, you, well, you, you look, lived uh, you up know, to it. You well, should. Well, you know what? How much more uh, negative –
1: uh, rancor, partisan gridlock in oh, this ter- country, they can't take, take. it
0: anymore. It's uh, the politics of
1: hate is unbelievable in this country right. and we've got to stop it. Right. And you wonder why right, Congress has a 14% approval rating. You know, people are fed up on both sides of the aisle exactly. and I'm just going to call it the way it is. It's yep. the far left and the far right that are bringing this country down.
0: I agree with you. So I, absolutely, I, I agree with you hundred percent. And you can be Democrat or Republican and you can be good for business. And that, that's, that's, that's right. what we got to look for. Let me, uh, you know, let me ask you one more thing, golf or tennis. Golf. Yeah, I saw that you 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 lead Emeril Lagasse's uh, golf tournament. Yeah, as well? Emeril, Emeril, you know, Emerald and I were both born
1: in Fall River, Massachusetts, uh, which is about forty-five minutes south of Boston, and he went to Johnson and Wales University, which used to be known as a culinary school, and they've branched out much bigger now uh, uh, into a really uh, great uh, all-around school and with uh, masters programs and business programs. And when I was working at PepsiCo back uh, in early two thousands. Um, I got a call from the president, John Bowen, and he said, Steve, we really, you know, you have a lot of contacts in the restaurant industry. We really want to try to leverage Emerald as an alum uh, and make this a bigger tournament and create a scholarship, endowed scholarship, um, you know, working with Emerald. And so this is our, be my 13th year as chairman of the golf tournament. We've raised over $5.5 million for scholarships for Emerald's Endowed Scholarship Fund. Each year now we give away eight scholarships. They get internships in Emerald's restaurants around the country. Uh, Nothing more rewarding than, than helping young kids um, get a leg up uh, on their education well he's
0: really done a great job he's got he's one of great. the best he, steakhouses he, in the world he, here he, in las vegas emerald and is the real deal trust yeah. me no i've met him i uh, used to be partners with uh, sheldon adelson over at the venetian and that's right of course he's got a restaurant there and that's one of my favorite restaurants great of all restaurant i go i've been here in vegas for two nights and i went both nights to eat yep. there so that's the kind of place it is let me give you a chance just to wrap up here one one last what's your shameless plug if you can plug anything you want to plug, you just plug the, the golf tournament. I'll give you that because I like Emerald. What else would you want to plug? And I don't care what it is. I just, look,
1: I love the franchise industry. And for anybody looking to get into business and want wants to enter a great industry that has a culture of sharing uh, and giving back, um, not only to each other as business people, but to the community, um, we just launched a program here called Franchising Gives Back where we uh, companies highlight all the great things they do in the community. Think about what franchises do. We're on virtually every main street in America. They support the little leagues, the breast cancer walks, uh, you know, uh, endless charities across the country. So I would say if you want to get into a great industry, thinking about going in business for yourself, think about franchising. There's a reason, Jeff, franchising is growing faster than non franchise businesses because it's exciting, it's fun, and there's something there. For everyone.
0: Well, it's been a pleasure, and if you haven't caught, you've got one of the greatest ambassadors for free enterprise going on right here, leading the International Franchising Association. We are broadcasting from that convention of over 4,000 franchisees, small business owners, and soon to be big business owners because its franchise is booming, and we're seeing that, and it's been a pleasure having you today. Jeff, always great to be with you, my friend. Hey, you've been listening to Jeffrey Hazlett, and I'm all business with Jeffrey Hazlett on Play.it. And if you want to reach out to me, do so on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and even LinkedIn. I'm the guy that's answering all of those tweets, all of those posts, and all of those links. So come and get the good, the bad, and the ugly on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel.